I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yes, it's cold outside. Winter is well and truly here, but Christmas is on the way, and as a gift, from me and from James. Welcome to the new episode of the Eurotrip podcast. James, I know that you have a gift, don't you? Because this time last week, you promised us the full poem of which you teased three words of last week. I did tease them, didn't I? So I've uh, I put pen to paper. I've finished it. I've done a bit of reworking. So here is my gift from me to you, Rob, and to you at home as well. So here's my last, I assure you, last Eurovision haiku of the year. And that is gift enough. I don't think you need to carry on. What a gift that is to hear that this will be the last (laughs) time we have to endure this at the start of every episode. Anyway, can I get to it? I feel like you're trying to put it off. Please do. Go on. Here we go. One, two, seven, three. Counting's not your strong point. Back to school, getter. I have no words. I have no words at all. I'm sorry, everybody. It's time for the Euro trip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, one half of Electro Velvet, Alex Lark. Absolutely delighted to have Alex on the podcast this week. I was in Vienna when Electro Velvet represented the UK at Eurovision. And I remember the reaction to the song. It was one of, this is different. 
which could mean anything and will mean whatever it is you want it to mean, to be honest, as far as this podcast goes. We've already done the interview with Alex. If you want to be offensive about a song, you can do. We've already done the interview. You can't say no. But I wouldn't be. I applaud the BBC for being brave and for sending something different because how many times have we sat here and said... Oh, can they please stop sending a ballad? Yeah, you're absolutely right. One thing I'm really looking forward to as well is hearing uh, stories from you, Rob, about Eurovision 2015 and not junior Eurovision 2018. It's going to be a breath of fresh air for everybody. But there's going to be some fantastic stories from Alex later on in the podcast. And just listen to this. Check this out and find out who the first person Alex told that he was going to be representing the UK at the Eurovision Song Contest. Well, I I took my family and some of my friends down the local boozer and I'd spoken to the the, 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 the bar woman because I had to tell her in the afternoon, can I reserve a table and can I have the table near the TV? Can you do me a favor? Can we have the red button at whatever time it was and stuff? So she knew before anyone else. Just imagine for a start having that conversation. It's something that me and you will never have to worry about, let's be honest, unless the one time only is finally get the chance to represent the UK. But, oh, it's amazing. It's such a good interview. I remember listening to this um, when you first did the interview and you have a lot to look forward to, everybody. You certainly do. We've got plenty more to pack into this week's podcast as well. We've got the news in 90. We've got the European quiz and don't forget the one second song as well. But you are listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So here we are then, episode 20 of the Eurotrip. Great to have you along. And fear not as well, we will be here between Christmas and New Year. More details of that still to come. But because it is almost Christmas, that means that Eurovision season is, well, I was going to say, moving ever closer, but it's in full swing. We've already had the Melfest 2021 lineup. We have got some very exciting, fingers crossed, maybe, hopefully, uh, Eurovision stuff coming on later this week. And to tell us more about that, in the news in 90 this week, we've got Neil from Eurovoir. Neil, how are you? Hello, hello. I am good. How are you? Very, very good, thank you. Feeling festive. I'm recording next to my Christmas tree, even though the Christmas tree is i think it's only about three foot tall neil to be honest with you it's not that big and it's plastic so it's it's not particularly uh showy but I, I enjoy it well you're doing better than me i don't actually have any decorations in my apartment because i'm going home for christmas so i was just like why bother decorating my own apartment i imagine your apartment is just decorated with uh eurovision stuff then you've just got some flags on the walls and pictures of uh of Rambo Amadeus, etc. Oh, that's the centerpiece, yeah. Like my whole apartment is based around Rambo Amadeus, yes. A man after my own heart, Neil. I love it. Now then, as uh, as Rob mentioned, you are here to do the news in 90, uh, the bite-sized look at the last seven days of Eurovision news. Uh, do you reckon you're going to be able to fill the 90 seconds? Has, has much been going on? Uh, yeah, there's been quite a lot going on and hope hope I get it all into 90 seconds. Wonderful. Neil, then, your time starts in three Two, one, and go. 
Okay, so France has been confirmed as the host nation of Junior Eurovision 2021. This will be the first Eurovision event to be held in France since Young Dancers 1999 and the very first Junior Eurovision to be held in France in history. Staying with France, the 12 finalists of Eurovision France, C'est vous qui décidez, have been revealed with songs not only in French but in Corsican and Tahitian as well. The winner will be chosen by public vote and a jury of 10 people of both French and international people from all walks of life. This week, very exciting because we potentially get our first entry for Eurovision 2021 with Albania. Uh, Festival Iacangas is due to take place between December 17th and 19th near Italia Square in Tirana. 20, uh, 26 songs will compete, but only one will win and represent Albania in Rotterdam. One person who will not be in Rotterdam is Diodato, who confirmed that he will not take part in San Remo next year, the finalists of which are due to be revealed on December 17th. In strange news, Fire Saga were apparently due to perform at the cancelled year at the cancelled 2020 contest as part of a massive promotional campaign. The film would have been released the day after the final. And in Israel, th the three songs that will take part in Hashir Shalanu Lo Vision will be revealed on January 3rd. Two will be chosen by public vote and one will be saved by the jury. And the final will be held on the 25th of January. And that's it. Yes, that's the news. Well, there we go, Neil. You have managed to do uh, one minute and 22 seconds of news, which uh, I'll say is enough. I'll say it's enough. There's plenty going on, but you've given us uh, a good roundup of everything. I would love to quickly touch upon the fact that France is due to host uh, Junior Eurovision next year, and they also very excitedly announced details about their national selection for Eurovision 2021 as well. And uh, there's some great songs in there, Rob, isn't there? I am absolutely loving a lot of the songs in uh, France's selection this year. My favourites, and I've already put this out there, and I think it is a Marmite song. I think people either love it or they're not huge fans. Uh, Alleluia, I'm a big fan of. Uh, and I'm not going to do the pronunciation because I'll get it terribly wrong. But um, I think, is it Terence James? The guy with a Scottish father and English mother with a French song with bagpipes on. What's not to love? What is not a love? Uh, oh, I must ask you, Rob. Last week we found out that you love a sexy song. Is there any sexy songs in the French selection? I think there's a few sexy songs. I think Terence's song, like I mentioned, I would say it's a sexy song. I've been... No, that was going to sound weird. I was going to say I've been in getting off to it, but that's not, that's not what I meant. No, 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 no. Bored, bored, bored. We know you love that song, but we didn't know you liked it that much. Yeah, that's a little festive treat for the listeners, isn't it? Sorry for that visual. James, get me out of this. <laughs> oh, dear me. Now, let's look forward to the weekend, though, because uh, you at home will know as well as me, Rob and Neil, that one thing is that has got us through 2020, got, that has got us through lockdown, is Eurovision again. And on Saturday, they are hosting their, what is set to be their final edition of 2020. And it's a bit of a special it is a semi-final non-qualifiers special. So we're going to be looking at some of our favourite non-qualifiers of all time. And us here at Eurovoir were chosen as one of the uh, leading websites to cover the Eurovision Song Contest to choose our favourite 10 of all time. And it's safe to say that we've got some, we've got some wild choices in there. We all put together a list. Rob, what were some of your favourites? Well, I have got quite a diverse group in my uh, in my choices i would say my 12 points uh, which 
I don't know how many people out there, how many listeners would have thrown this the way of, of this song. Uh, my 12 points, so the song that apparently... I believe was the most robbed that didn't make the final uh, over the last few years was uh, Uzari with Time from uh, Eurovision 2015. You know how much I love a bit of Belarus on this podcast, James. <laughs> now, Neil, what about you then? Because you, of course, uh, along with everybody else here at U of War, have put together your own list. So what tops your list? What would get your 12 points of these non-qualifiers from the semifinals? Uh, it was... It was an extremely tough list to do, but um, I decided to give my 12 points to Norma John with Blackbird, Finland 2017. That is just an absolutely exquisitely beautiful song, and I was absolutely shocked when it didn't get through. So, yes, justice for Blackbird. And I think you're not alone there, because I gave it uh, a very generous uh, six points, and another three or four people here at Uvar also gave it some points. My 12 points, since none of you asked, but I'm sure you're all desperate to know, uh, of course, went to Zibs with Stones. 2018, we all know that Zibs were robbed and we all know that they deserve to be in that grand final and we all know that they deserve to win Eurovision 2018 and we all know that they are perhaps, Rambo aside, the greatest performer to ever perform on the Eurovision stage. Now, uh, discuss. As an Irish person, I can't really say that much about it. <laughs> it's difficult though, Neil, isn't it? Johnny Logan or Zibs? I mean, it's a toss-up. We should say that the Eurovision, again, selections from us here at Eurovoir will be heading online this week. So keep your eye across Eurovoir.com to check those out and you'll find out who else we voted for. So Neil, for you and for the listeners for the first time, here is this week's One Second Song. Okay. Okay. Um I'm I'm very confident of getting all four. That sounds like a man who knows exactly what the song is. Of course don't tell us, Neil, don't tell us because that would ruin it for everybody else. But do you think that James has got a chance of getting it as well this week? Um we'll see. Uh we'll see if the one time uh, one time only's make a reappearance again or whether like it's it's either that or getting it right nowhere in between so let's see what happens <laughs> who knows who might pop up terry to terry the one time only who knows uh, but neil thank you so much for joining us for the news in 90 thank you for having listened now to the one second song of course james will get his chance to hear it later on in the podcast but just before you go neil if people want to find well our eurovision again choices and of course all the latest news from the world of Eurovision and Albania's selection this week. Where can they go? They can go to Eurovois.com. We are also on social media, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And also Eurovois Moments on Twitter for live commentary of national selections. Hi, my name's Alex Lark from Electro Velvet and you're listening to The Euro Trip. So you've just heard Neil there take his guess at this week's One Second Song. I promise you I left the room when, when it was played there. So I don't know what it was. I don't know how confident he was. But Rob, give me an idea. Am I going to have any guess at all at this? Am I going to am I gonna be anywhere near the mark? I think you're going to be all right. We're talking about, you know, being close to Christmas at the moment. And it's another gift from me to you, I think. I think I've been very generous with you on this week's One Second Song. Well, what a treat. I'm looking forward to it anyway a little bit later on. If you've just heard it and you've got a guess, don't forget you can tweet us at Podcast with your guess. And then later on in the podcast, you can find out whether you were right 
or whether you were wrong. But now it's time to get to the first part of this week's big interview. And as you heard a little bit earlier on, this week it is with one half of Electro Velvet. It's Alex Lark. I am delighted we are travelling back to Vienna in 2015 on this week's podcast. As I mentioned in the opener, I was there in Austria for this edition of Eurovision. There is a few things that I think it's worth highlighting. The first of which being that me and you had completely different experiences on our trips to Eurovision because I know you got sunny Lisbon when you went to Eurovision in 2018. Me, however, I got an entire week of rain and it was very cold. uh, So I didn't see Vienna at its best, but it was still a lovely, lovely trip. Uh, And the other thing is that an Austrian toilet leaves a lot to be desired. I think the design is deliberate in this, that it basically gives you the lovely opportunity just to take a little bit of a look at uh, what you've just done just before you flush, which is which is a lovely thing. I'm not entirely sure exactly what you mean by that, because surely every toilet gives you an opportunity to see what you've done before you flush. Now, this may be too much detail, and in fact, it probably is, but it almost <laughs> pops it on a little shelf for you before you press the old flush button. <laughs> So it's, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go into any more detail because it's not particularly festive talking about me going to the toilet in Austria, is it? Can we, uh, can we swiftly move on from that and just get to the interview with Alex? Is that okay? Uh, That would be preferable, I think, for both me and the listeners. So let's quickly set the scene for you. Back in 2014, the BBC had just come off a a string of, uh, of strange results. We'd had Engelbert Humperdinck, we'd had Bonnie Tyler, and then of course Molly in 2014. And then for 2015, they kept the internal selection and chose the duo Electro Velvet, which consisted of uh, Bianca Nicholas and, of course, Alex Lark, who we are about to hear from. And he has a story or two to tell about his journey from being selected by the BBC all the way through to Vienna and beyond. But you will hear more of that a little bit later on. But in this first part of the interview with Alex, I started off by asking him when it was that he first heard that unforgettable song. So, I was first alerted to it, must have been probably October 2014, and uh, a friend of mine called Simon, who um, made videos, got in touch with me and said, look, I know this guy, he's got this song, there's a girl and there's a guy singing on it. And because I'd worked with Simon, for an awfully long time he recommended me and and that was it so i i was sent the um the demo for still in love with you um bianca's part was already recorded and then uh it was it was just a question of uh, me putting my vocal to it and then filming my part of the audition video which the bbc required at that time so did it seal the deal for you then that you knew, or once you found out that it was going to potentially go to Eurovision, was that a bit of a deciding factor for you? Or was, did you just fully enjoy the song and you thought, I, still, I just want to record it because I like the song? Um, I really liked the song. I, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite quirky and quite different for me. And um, in, coming into it from that point of view, I thought, well, this is different. I really like this. And I would, you know, I'd like to try my hand at it. So that wasn't a deciding factor. Um, at all, no. Do you remember getting the call or the email or whatever it was from the BBC saying, right, we've decided and we've decided it's you? Do you remember how you felt when you got that call? Yeah, well, they actually, they were they were sods a little bit because 
it started off that oh you're you know you're in the in the last last 50 and then beginning of december around then then suddenly it was oh you're in the in the last 20 okay and then another week later right last 10 and then just before christmas and they and everyone was going off for a couple of weeks then they said oh oh you're down to the last two we'll let you know when we come back so so for two weeks over christmas sworn to secrecy couldn't tell my family couldn't say anything and then towards the end of the first week of january somewhere around there i got a call which we'd like to come and come and meet you at the at the bbc and yeah just remember having uh, a meeting in there with um guy who was at that time the kind of head of the delegation and uh we had david mindell the songwriter on the phone on loudspeaker in the middle and bianca and myself and that was it yeah they said yeah yeah you're in at that point i had i had long hair down to my shoulders <laughs> i certainly didn't look the part i was like ah oh, this is this is mad it it became very real very very quickly what was it like in march when it got announced that it was electoral velvet was it just a massive sigh of relief but but then of course then you get all of these messages coming in from family and friends mm. and you see the comments online what was that experience like to finally get it out there in the open well, I, t I took my family and um, some of my friends down the local boozer, and I'd spoken to the the, the, the the bar woman at the local was the first person outside of the general public to know about it, because I had to tell her in the afternoon, can I reserve a table, and can I have the table near the TV, and can you do me a favour, can we have the red button at whatever time it was and stuff. So she knew before anyone else so she was privileged to that information and um you know and i just we got some grub and all that and then suddenly bing it was like what you're doing yeah you know and i had people that i haven't seen for years and i'd done musical projects with going just seen you on the television what the hell <laughs> do you know what i mean so it was really it was very surreal and yeah of course you know messages and things and then I think the Guardian said it was crap and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff happened straight away. So I'd love to ask uh, about that though, because I think it's fair to say that it's a, it was a bit of a Marmite song, wasn't it? A lot of people, yeah. loved it, a lot of people, not so much. What was it like to deal with negative comments like that? It, it can't be easy. Do you know what? It was, it was, it's funny because I, um, I don't know why. I suppose it was a, 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 an element of naivety on my part, but I really thought that it would be universally loved. <laughs> you know, I was really like, everyone's going to love this. This is great. This is fun. And then, of course, it was like, ooh, okay, that's that's not what I expected. So it was, yeah, it was a bit, um, a bit of a shock. <laughs> but of course, as 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 time moved on, more more and more people got behind it. You get to Vienna, to the host country, to the host city. Yeah. What is that experience like? We knew someone who worked for British Airways, so we got bumped up to first class. So there was free champagne. Yay! <laughs> so that was that was a good start, um, and it was great. You know, the hotel was lovely. Um, the, the the city was beautiful. I mean, it was an absolutely stunning city. Um, very clean, um, and it it was just lovely. And it was nice to be um nice to be looked after in, in 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 that sort sort of way and you know people wanting to have pictures with you and, and and stuff so it was yeah it was it was it was a nice feeling being there yeah 
So there it is, part one of James, your brilliant chat with Alex Lark. And the one thing that I'm very impressed by, having done said flight myself, is that you can't manage to fit that many glasses of champagne into a flight between Heathrow and Vienna, because it's only about an hour and a half. So I'm impressed that you managed to put so much away. Did you not get first class treatment on your BA flight from Heathrow to Vienna? I'll have you know, it was Austrian Airlines, actually, and we got a little pastry. Uh, That was about as good as it got. But I didn't mind. I had quite a pleasant time. One other little story that I loved from from that chat with Alex there was the first person that he told that he was going to represent the UK at Eurovision was in fact the lady behind the bar. Who do you reckon, if you had to tell some one person first, who do you reckon you would tell? I reckon I'd tell Marie. Uh, now, you don't know who Marie is. Uh, Marie is someone who came into my life not that long ago, actually. Uh, she runs the corner shop on the road that I've moved on to. And she seems like a lovely woman. She was helping me try to find some balsamic vinegar just earlier on today. Didn't have any, unfortunately. Um, but I would tell Marie, I think she'd like to like to hear about it. And and as somebody who is always desperate to be the centre of attention, and with her running the, the, the local corner shop, I know that she would have no qualms about telling everybody else who lives here that I was doing Eurovision. <laughs> I reckon she might as well give you a free bottle of champagne. Never mind those sods on Austrian Airways. She'd give you one. She might do. I don't know. Having seen the shop, I'm not sure if I want it. It might be the sort of shop where the champagne sat on the the top shelf for the last few years. There might be a bit of dust to take off at first. Well, anyway, that was the first part of this week's big interview with Alex Lark from Electro Velvet. There's another part coming up from him a little bit later on in the episode where he talks about his performance on the night in Vienna. Uh, a bit of a strange conversation he had with somebody from the BBC uh, later on in that same evening and his thoughts on a potential Eurovision return. But you'll have to stick around to hear exactly what all that is about. For now, though, and this is some very sad news because it is the last for quite a while European quiz. So let's make the most of it, shall we? Here's Sam to tell us which country will be quizzed on this week. It's Kingdom Day in the Netherlands, so here are three questions about next year's host country. So James, we're off to the nation of canals and low sea level. It's the Netherlands. I enjoy, by the way, in that list of facts, I didn't also include host of the 2021 Eurovision Song Contest, which would have been the most obvious in for a Eurovision podcast. But anyway, you you take what you're given. We're a bit different here. We don't need to state the obvious, do we? Uh, Canals and low sea level. You set the scene very nicely indeed, Rob. I'm sure they'll be stealing it for the uh, for the inf- information pamphlet very soon. Uh, but yeah, the Netherlands. Let's uh, should we get the first question? Let's head over to Sam for question number one. Esther Hard represented the Netherlands at Eurovision in 2003. After almost representing the UK in the same year, in 2008, why did Esther Hart go to jail? She went to jail. In 2008. Wasn't expecting that twist at the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't think her Eurovision performance was that bad. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was then five years later, of course, that she ended up in jail. Uh, she represented, as Sam said, the Netherlands in 2003. And she had, quite possibly, the biggest job that any artist has ever had at the Eurovision Song Contest. And do you want to know why that was? Oh, go on. I'm very interested. Because Esther warmed up for Gemini. She was the song immediately before Gemini took to the stage for the United Kingdom in 2003. Everyone was so shocked by that performance, weren't they? That just everyone turned off. 
when Gemini came on the stage, and rightly so, to be honest. <laughs> well done if you did turn off. So why did she end up in jail, though, five years later? And it wasn't a case of mistaken identity, and they didn't want to take Gemini in instead for crimes against pop music. Uh, why was she in jail? I... I can't imagine this is a very serious crime, otherwise I think it would be fairly common knowledge. So I'm going to throw my hat in the ring first, and I'm going to say she went to jail because of tax evasion. There's a lot of tax evasion out there, isn't there? I don't earn enough money for the old tax evasion thing. I'm not clever enough, <laughs> also not clever enough to work out how to do it. Probably shouldn't be talking about tax evasion on the podcast. I was going to say, just we? for the record there, you uh, you want to put that out there. You don't evade tax and you've just put it out there so that people don't come fishing for you. Correct. I don't evade tax, neither do you. And listeners, you at home, let it be known that we also say that you shouldn't be evading tax. But if you do, tweet us at Eurotrip Podcast. We'd love to hear about it. <laughs> and then we'll send your details to the relevant authorities. Uh, I agree with you. I also think it will not have been a serious crime. Not that we're saying that tax about we've gotten down this <laughs> hole now, haven't we? I think she did it for charity. She voluntarily spent the night there in an attempt to gain publicity and money for charity. I will absolutely take that. Do we know what charity she was raising money for? Prisons are us or something? I, I don't know. That sounds like a terrible name for a charity. That's why I don't run one. <laughs> I don't understand how you could have potentially come up with that answer by yourself. Surely you and Sam have come to some sort of arrangement, some agreement where he's going to feed you the answers. I can assure you that no money exchanged hands. That was just a very, very good guess. But yeah, delighted. I'll take it. I'll take it. Here's number two before you complain about anything else. Here's Sam again. Question number two. Why is it impossible for 25% of the population of Amsterdam to listen to this podcast on their daily commute? Now, I've actually got a really good guess for this question. Go on, then. Uh, Yeah, actually, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring again first, just in case you have the same one and it makes it look like I've just copied you. But I'm going to say that... 25% of the population can't listen to the podcast on the daily commute because the cycle into work and it is illegal to listen to anything on headphones while riding a bike. That is a very educated answer and now I wish that I had taken my opportunity to go first because that's Don't you say that that was your answer as well because it wasn't, was it? It wasn't going to be. It was going to be... Um, transportation based as you would expect with this question being about the commute Uh, I know that there are a lot of canals in Amsterdam so I'm going to say that 25% of the population of Amsterdam cannot listen to the podcast because much like you uh, saying it was illegal to listen while riding a bike I would say it is also illegal to listen while and I like to think 25% of the population of Amsterdam do this on the way to work (laughs) to row Well, as of last summer, the city made it illegal to use phones while cycling, which is the estimated number of people that get to work with pedal power. There we go. 25% of those in Amsterdam get to work by pedal power, which I think you'll find gives me a point. It does. When was the last time that both me and you got a point on the European quiz? We're going out in a blaze of glory here. No, no, no. no. Don't, Don't get your hopes up too early. We do still have a third question to go. I was going to say, never has there been so much jeopardy heading into this final question. Finally, looking forward to Rotterdam 2021, the 19th most popular thing to do on TripAdvisor is the Dutch Museum of What? In this collection, you'll find a 1947 Humpty Dumpty, dinosaur eggs from 1993, and a jalopy from 1951. Now, this is 
tricky because that is a very disparate collection of items, isn't it? I mean, this could be anything. I'm going to go first because you got in ahead of me last time and I now regret that because I feel like I threw a point away because it was a, it was a good answer but one that I also could have come up with myself. Not to take away from your achievements, obviously. I think this is the... I don't know why they would have a museum for this. The Dutch Museum of Advertising. Okay. Okay. You can have that. Uh, I'm still trying to rack my brains for an answer. Just trying to, I've never been to the Netherlands. Um... I played a football tour uh, when I was uh, in year eight at school. So for anyone listening, uh, that puts me at 12 years old, I believe I was when I was there, 12 or 13, 13 actually. Um, And the most memorable thing from that trip to the Netherlands was I got stuck in a lift. Did you? Did you get stuck in the lift with, uh, as previous listeners will of course remember, did you get stuck in the lift with Naomi? I did not get stuck in the lift with Naomi. Me and Naomi were uh, not a a thing at that point in time. However, you uh, may like to hear that she was on that trip, but I had not made my intentions known and wouldn't for many years to come. (laughs) Anyway, back to the question. Uh, I've got to come up with something here. I know, uh, <laughs> I know that in the Netherlands somewhere, uh, I'm not entirely sure where that there is a uh, there's a penis museum, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying that you may call yours Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> However, I've not got any better guess right now. So my guess is that it's the Dutch Museum of Penises. These are three of the 100-strong collection of pinball machines in the Dutch Pinball Museum. So if you're heading to Rotterdam next year, maybe don't go. It doesn't sound great. I think I have to agree with Sam there. It doesn't sound like a top day out. Although, I don't know, you do find yourself doing random things when you're in cities like this, sort of killing a bit of time before, I don't know, semi-final two or the jury final on the Friday night, which is normally the ones that you can just about manage to get tickets for. I ended with one point and you ended with one point. So for the final European quiz for the foreseeable, we end in a gentleman's draw. Uh, I don't really like the idea of you giving the phrase gentleman's draw after just seconds before mentioning the penis museum but i think that is probably the best way that we could bid farewell to this feature for the next little while so european quiz and samuel deacon we thank you This is the Euro Trip. So you are listening to the Euro Trip, and we have made it to the second and final part of this week's big interview. And as a reminder, it's with Alex Lark this week. He represented the United Kingdom with Electro Velvet over five years ago now. Uh, Rob was in the arena, he's already mentioned it. Uh, but there's plenty of stories about Alex's performance there on the night and uh, a little bit of a tease about him potentially returning to the Eurovision Song Contest at some point in the future. But I started off this part of the conversation by asking him what his thoughts were on his overall performance in Vienna. Uh, could have done better, that's what I've always, but that's, I think that's the nature of being um, a performer. You look at stuff and go, oh, oh he's singing a bit flat there or, Oh, should have done this and should have done that. But I mean, you, hindsight is um, is a wonderful thing. You can't change it. That's how it is. Um, but you know, on the whole, I had a great time. 
Um, it wasn't the, the result I wanted. I think I would have liked our performance to be a bit more us looking down the camera. I don't think we had an awfully good connection with um, the television audience. It was very much catered for the, the live audience. But yeah, I just I didn't think I sang particularly well. I think I probably panicked a bit. I don't know. <laughs> Hindsight's a wonderful thing, as we say. But, you know, it was, it was phenomenal. I remember when it started, we got a huge, huge cheer and then another massive cheer. And I remember people clapping along, um, which you could see on the, vid on, the, um, on the performance, you know, people really, really, really into it. And then when the lights went down and the suits lit up, then, you know, there's an almighty cheer in there, which you could hear over the uh, in-ear monitors. And it was, it was phenomenal. Some younger guys with roving eyes may tantalize you with their lies. You must be wise and realize. Leave well alone till you get home, dear. Well, I'm still the fellas. Don't want to make you jealous. No need to fear when you're not here. I'm still in love with you. But of course, it's, it was like that. You know, done. And suddenly you're at the end. Um, and it's like, oh, God. You know, I mean, three minutes isn't, isn't long. It's not a long period of time at all. So it's kind of whoo and dumb. It certainly is, isn't it? So then what happened the day after? The Sunday morning, is that just sort of, is it just pushed to the side now? Is it <sighs> is, like so, that? Is it a massive sigh of relief? Let me tell you about that. The, the, so <laughs> we, we happen to be sharing a hotel with Graham Norton. And Graham Norton is... I suppose reasonably famous for he goes into his booth at the beginning of the, of the, the television program. Yeah. Uh, with two bottles of white wine, which he glugs throughout the performance. So he's a little bit tipsy at the end and <laughs> I'll never forget it. So we, we, we all got back to the hotel and it was like, ah, uh, and you know, and I was, I was talking to Graham and I was like, you know, we got, we're, We've got a follow-up single and, you know, we're going to do another single. And he's like, no, 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 don't bother. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, no your, your career's done. I was like, oh, all right, thanks. <laughs> so, so that, yeah, yeah. So, so that was, um, so that was, it was quite prophetic, I suppose. It's, um, we did do the other single, but <laughs> we didn't have much much success um so i suppose yeah like i say it was prophetic but you know he 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 does know i mean you you in all honesty if you don't do particularly well no one sees you know even the ones that you know do reasonably well it's a fun competition once that year's done all right who's next who's next you know and it is it is a bit like that you know you don't don't want to be dwelling on the last year people you want to know who's next and and people in the Eurovision community have still got you in their heart a little bit, haven't they? Because you still do Eurovision events every now and again. It must be mm -hmm. good to sort of be included still in the bubble. Yeah, no, it is nice. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's also nice that the, the song has also um, gained a bit of a place in people's hearts as well. I'm, you know, I'm forever told that at any of the Euro events, it's, almost guaranteed that still in love with you is will be on the playlist at some point you know it is a quirky little number everybody who's into eurovision knows it everybody so it's it is nice that it hasn't kind of just been you know pushed aside and and forgotten about you know it's uh, 
it is a great little song. It just didn't, the sum of its collective parts, we just couldn't quite make it work on the night. What about the future then? What you, You're talking to me now from your little home studio, still mm-hmm. writing, still producing. <laughs> what's, on, mm-hmm. what's on the horizon over the next six months to a year? What you got planned? Well, I'm just putting some bits and pieces together. I'm, I'm going to put out another album at some point. And not, for, not really for anyone, but for myself, I suppose, and just let it sit out there and if people want to listen to it, they can. Um, but it's just, it's, it's good for my mental health, especially in, in lockdown. Um, cause I found it the very, the first one I found very, very difficult. So this, you know, it's quite a cathartic thing to, to get writing and I don't know, I just, you know, I did, I was bothering Greece cause I'm half Greek. I was bothering the Greek Eurovision team for a bit. Go, go on, give us another chance. Go on, let me sing for you. But, um, cause you know, I'm quite competitive. I don't like to finish 24th and not have a uh, a chance <laughs> at redeeming myself a little bit but they did not bite so uh, i can't leave that unquestioned how how seriously <laughs> did you get involved with the greek delegation um i think i bothered bo- bothered them every year from 2016 onwards i was like look i've written some songs i've got a song let me sing the last time i i seriously asked was um Probably the two, did I bother last year? I don't know. Oh no, it might've been last year. Oh no, I didn't. So 2018 was the last time I bothered. And then, you know, it turned out that the that they had five um, potential entries. And then the uh, ERT, the Greek station said, look, you've got to pay us 30,000 euros or something in order to be able to do it. Cause we're skin. So four people put out and one got it by default. So I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think, I think I would have fancied that. So um, yeah, no, I, I sent them some stuff, and you know, I had meet, I had meetings when I was over there, and uh, and and bits and pieces went over to the studio and stuff. And but you know, they've to be fair, they've got a lot of talented people, and they got people that are a bit younger. And um, you know, if I didn't shave my hair, it would be almost entirely grey now. So I don't think they want. <laughs> they want my old. Old flabby ass running around on stage, so um, yeah, I'll leave. I'm, you know, but I'll always, you know, if if I've got time, I I will, you know, definitely put some songs in. And you know, I, I do feel a kinship to the competition. I would like to, you know, not as necessarily as a as a performer, but I'd like to get to, to write some stuff. And you know, that would be a, a nice way to come back, and maybe without the pressure, you know, you kind of sit on the sidelines and keep drinking the champagne. There's one more question I've got to ask you. It's a question uh-huh. we ask everybody who comes on the podcast. What is your second favourite Eurovision song of all time? Mine's not going to be conventional, you know this. So, I, so I, my second favourite would uh, would be Waterloo because it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal song, an amazing bit of songwriting. And um, my favourite, this is going to be controversial, is a Love City Groove, Love City Groove. Is it in now? The morning. Yeah, love it. <laughs> when the sun shines down on your body. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. Shout out to Alex there for finishing off the interview with a bit of Love City Groove. Can't go wrong with that. I feel like, Rob, if you were to do Eurovision karaoke, you would choose Love City Groove, Love City Groove, wouldn't you? I think me and you could take on a bit of Love City Groove, Love City Groove. Me and you, we'd either do that or we'd do Fly on the Wings of Love, I reckon, me and you. 
Is that you asking for another rendition, just like last week? Seeing as you did it so well... Are you going to politely decline? I will politely decline, yes. We don't want to hear okay. that again. But you are right. What an interview. And also, Alex Luck potentially representing Greece at the Eurovision Song Contest. Can you imagine? That just came out of nowhere. That was not in my research notes whatsoever. He just came out with it. I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. You have to tell me a bit more about that. But yeah, he's tried a good three or four times to represent Greece. And could you imagine? Could you imagine that? He strikes me as a lovely, lovely guy. So it would be nice to see him involved in Eurovision again at some point in the future. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to go out on a limb. Electro Velvet should have done better in 2015. I think they should have done better. I think they should have been rewarded for the bravery and uniqueness of the song. Because there were a lot of ballads in 2015. 2015 was a strong year as well. Don't get me wrong, of course. 2015 was when Australia made their debut. So Guy Sebastian was doing his thing and he was great and Mons was there and Il Volo were there and Russia almost won. Like It was a massive year. So unfortunately, they got a little bit lost. But I think the BBC and Electro Velvet should be congratulated on their bravery in 2015. Yeah, I think they should be applauded, actually, because they went for something different. It wasn't a safe choice. It was something that people were either going to love or people were going to hate. And I think it was one of those where all of the individual elements just didn't quite glue together, just didn't quite come across uh, for the for the overall performance. And uh, going back to one of the things he mentioned in the chat there was those brutal comments from Graham Norton after his couple of bottles of wine. What did he say? I think he said, your career is done. Oh. <laughs> That's the words of a man who knows that his contract as the BBC's European commentator is pretty secure, isn't it? That, that's, <laughs> that's a man who is very confident in his own skin. Pretty brutal, like you said. I mean, we all like Graham Norton's comments on the telly on the big night itself. But to say that to our own act, <laughs> I don't know about you, maybe he went a little bit far. Maybe he had a glass or two many of uh, of that white wine that he likes. I couldn't imagine being on the, on the receiving end of some Graham Norton comments. It would uh, be a dagger through my heart. But I feel like actually listening back to some of uh, Alex's comments in, in the chat there, I think he is still... It still affects him a little bit. I don't, you know, I think he he said he's, you know, he's moved on. It was a bit difficult to deal with at the time, but I think some of those comments from fans as well still get to him a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because these acts put themselves out there to represent an entire nation. They know hundreds of millions of people are watching, and let's be honest, they go out there, they do their best. So the least they should at least get is the respect of people on social media. If you don't like the song, that's fine. But you don't have to tell the entry themselves that you don't like the song hundreds and hundreds of times, because what are you ever going to achieve from it? Hopefully, uh, Eurovision fans have learnt the lesson from that over the years. And uh, in the future, we'll all be kind to one another and kind to the artists, because that's all we want to see, really, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Talking of being kind, and that may sound like a little bit of a reach, it is time for the One Second Song, because honestly... I think I've been kind to you this week, but that's for you to decide, I suppose. For the listeners at home for the second time, and for you for the first time, here's this week's One Second Song. Oh, no, now then. Now then, now then. Right. Um, This is definitely familiar, but I may need a moment to try and fast forward this in my head. It's always difficult when that happens, when you definitely know the song, but you put on the spot like this. And then you have to come up with an answer within a very short amount of time. Because you listening at home, you know, you can replay the one second song if you want to. But James, he's only getting one more listen before I'm going to ask him for his answer. So go on, have one more. 
What comes next? Oh, I've got no idea what comes next. I think you're going to kick oh, yourself. I really am going to kick myself. I think it, immediately the year 2013 comes to my mind. So I'm going to stick with that for now. Oh, this is difficult. And I don't think I'm going to remember it. So we may have to we may have to do what I always do. <laughs> Neil was wondering earlier on whether the one-time onlys would make a triumphant return. Oh, I can hear the verse. <laughs> I can he- I can literally hear it up until the chorus, and I feel like it's the chorus that I need here. You're gonna have to push you, James. Gonna have to push you. Right, I give up. I don't know what it is. I do. I can hear the verse in my head. I can hear it up until the chorus, which is the part I so desperately need right now. Uh, so I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm gonna bow out. I'm gonna say 2013. I'm gonna say Serbia. I'm gonna say it was. Eleanor Candanori. Which sounds like a dish you can get from your local takeaway. <laughs> oh, with dreams never come true. How very sad if that were the case. How very sad if that were the case. Well, James, thank you very much for your guess on this week's One Second Song. Before I tell you what it is, go on, put yourself out of your misery. Both you and the listeners, everyone at home, this is this week's One Second Song. Come on then, you're kicking yourself? I am, because I knew exactly what it sounded like. I was singing it in my head. I could hear it up until the chorus because I knew it did that change. Oh, never mind. Having spoken about the abuse that Alex Lark got on social media uh, after Eurovision 2015, I hope for your sake that the <laughs> listeners of this are kind to you after this week's episode. Uh, that, of course, this week's one second song was Angun with Echo, brackets, you and I, France 2012. So you were one year out on the year. You almost got there. And just to rub it in, uh, Neil from earlier on got all four points. Oh, yeah, never mind about Neil. Never mind. Of course he was going to get the four points. Poor old Neil. But yeah, he got four points. You didn't, so bad luck. Uh, unfortunately, that's it. This is the end of episode 20 of the Eurotrip. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Alex Lark interview. As ever, if you want to get in touch with us, please do drop us a message on social media. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. Uh, feel free to uh, slide into our DMs. Me and James always welcoming an uh, unexpected DM. Uh, talking of unexpected, we have some treats for you coming up over Christmas and New Year because you might think, you know what, Rob and James, they're hardworking fellas. They might want a bit of time off between Christmas and New Year. But we know how much you enjoy the podcast. So, fear not, everybody, because we have two special episodes coming your way over the next couple of weeks. That's right. We are not going anywhere. Even though it's Christmas, even though it's New Year, we'll still be here for the next two Wednesdays and every Wednesday beyond with the Eurotrip. But our special gifts to you over the next two weeks are two long-form interviews with some very special guests uh, that we've interviewed over the past couple of weeks. Uh, We are going to be talking to Lee Smithhurst, who is the series producer 
of the BBC's Eurovision coverage. And he'll be with us to tell us all about what the BBC has been doing for Eurovision over the last couple of years and maybe, just maybe, dropping a couple of hints of what's expected to come for Eurovision 2021. And then, coming up next week, so next Wednesday, just before Christmas, a little pre-Christmas treat for you as you wrap your presents, as you settle yourself in, you have a Baileys next to the Christmas tree, you can enjoy. And actually... Talking of an Irish cream, James, the Irish cream of the crop themselves on the podcast. No, it's not Johnny Logan before you say it. Who is it? It's Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan. The winners, the winners, I say, of Eurovision 1994. Now, this is an interview that I know you had the most fun doing. So I hope it translates when you guys get to hear it at home. Because honestly, those two guys, it is an understatement to say they can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But we mean it in the best possible way because you're going to listen to it and you're just going to feel all warm and fuzzy inside and they're going to make you fall in love with Eurovision all over again and fall in love with them. And honestly, it is fantastic. So you've got that to come next Wednesday. That's right. That was one of my favourite ever interviews I've ever done. When I say interviews as well, it's more like a chat actually. And I don't really feature a lot because it's mainly just Paul and Charlie going backwards and forwards because they haven't seen each other in so, so long. Uh, So I assure you, you will hopefully enjoy that as much uh, as I did uh, doing it. Yeah, you called it a chat. I would call it an epic. It's almost a feature film. I know you've edited it down, but it's uh, it's a chunky old listen, but it is worth every single minute. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is well worth it. So you've got those two Christmas treats for you over the next couple of weeks. And then on Wednesday, the 6th of January, we will be back again in our usual Wednesday slot for your usual Eurotrip episodes with another big name guest. That's right, a big name guest with a tenuous link to uh, this week's One Second Song, actually. But that's all you're going to get. Thank you very much for listening. We really, really appreciate you joining us every week because we love hearing from you on social media. We love knowing that you are enjoying the podcast week in, week out. And I say it every week, and it's sounding increasingly desperate, but we do want to put faces to the names of, of all of you that are enjoying the podcast every week because we know that there are plenty of you out there who are listening to us and are enjoying what we do. So it'd be lovely if any of you jumped out on social media to say hello. Yeah, you're right, Rob. We've uh, we've also given out a couple of good Christmas treats this week. And if you listening at home want to give us a little bit of a Christmas gift, then don't forget to subscribe, rate us five stars, and most importantly of all, leave us a little review as well. It takes less than a minute, but it just means that we will reach more Eurovision fans and more people will get to enjoy this podcast week in and week out. That's right. We will be back with you, as we've just told you, just before Christmas. Next episode, next Wednesday, we're still with you, 23rd of December, with Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan. But from me, goodbye. And from me, goodbye. And from festive Sir Terry Wogan, Ho, 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 ho. A good boy. Oh, of course it was. One more night. Na, 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 na. Sorry, please continue. Could have kept that going. Could have used that as the outtake at the end. I, I don't know any more of the song, so... Yeah, never mind. Now we're forever, maybe come what may. I'll have that, thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.